hey, family, hey, family, you know it's Thursday. It's Thursday once again. Praise God. It is Thursday. We have come to another moment that we call Thursday. Some people call it Friday Eve, but it's Thursday and you know it. You know it if it is Thursday. It's your girl, Dr. P on the pod. Dr. P on the pod, yeah. I am always, always excited to bring you some greetings and bring you some love and send you some joy on this Thursday. I hope that you are embracing the holiday season. We are now have moved into Advent season, my favorite time of the year. Uh, and I hope you are excited. I think we are in Hanukkah now. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish brothers and sisters. The holiday of many lights, many lights. And um, I have family members who are celebrating Hanukkah. And of course, I celebrate everything. Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa. I make up stuff to, to celebrate during this season. So happy Hanukkah to everyone. Hope you are getting ready for the holidays. Your, your tree is trimmed. Uh, my tree is not trimmed yet. I had to get my carpets clean. Oh my Lord, I had to get the carpets clean. So now the carpets are clean. I am getting ready to trim the tree. The lights are up outside and uh, I have some new lights. I have Snoopy and, and Mickey Mouse in them this year because I love Snoopy and Mickey and Minnie. So Mickey and Snoopy are adorning my outside, outside. So we are just uh, excited. Happy holidays to everybody. So we are still uh, doing, we are in post-conference season. So you know that for those of you who registered, uh, you can go and visit Healthy Churches Conference. All of the entire conference is yours for the next 365 days. So uh, please share the content with your 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 guests this holiday season. Get in front of your computer or throw it up on your big screen uh, and let them partake of the offerings of Healthy Churches 2030 Conference. We are we will continue to say thank you uh, for all of your support. Don't forget that in the midst of COVID, yes, we are in COVID. COVID is still going on, but don't forget it's flu vaccination. It's flu vaccination time and pneumonia vaccination time. Get your vaccines, especially if you are 65 years and older, please, please get your vaccines, but don't take all, don't take all the vaccines on the same day. I have some friends and family members who have gone to took the COVID booster, the flu vaccine, the, new, the pneumonia vaccine all in the same day and then said, I don't know why I don't feel that well. Don't take, don't take everything at the same time, please, please. But do plan and go and get your vaccinations. We want you to be well and have a good, joyful Christmas season and not have to think about 
um, you know, this spreading this virus and we don't want nobody to come uh, to your home. You know, I'm happy to say no. Mm-mm. Are you vaccinated? Not vaccinated? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Hopefully we'll see you next year. Because uh, I'm afraid of COVID. I'm afraid of COVID. I don't want to get it. I don't want to get no Delta strain, no uh, the the uh, the new one, whatever the new name is. I don't. I don't want no strain of COVID. So my first question to anybody coming to my door is: Are you vaccinated? I even asked the guy who came to clean my carpets when he rang the doorbell, opened the door. Good morning. Good morning. Are you vaccinated? Yes, ma'am. I am. Okay, you can come on in and clean the carpets. Absolutely. I am clear about me wanting not to get COVID. So I want to pass that on uh, to you. So um, today I am going to share some more from the conference with you. You know, I shared um, the very Reverend Kelly Brown Douglas with you last week. Uh, And this week um, I'm going to share Latasha Brown her talk with us at the Healthy Churches Conference. Now, if you remember the week before the conference, Latasha was my guest. Remember that? Now, family, if you did not, if you have not listened to that interview, please go back. It's the podcast right before the conference when our sister Latasha Brown was my guest on the show. So I want to uh, bring, bring it bring it full circle. I want to bring this conversation full circle with Latasha Brown and now share with you her, I mean, absolutely amazing and powerful, powerful talk with us at Healthy Churches Conference. You don't want to miss it. This sister, our sister Latasha Brown, is she is just all that. Yes, indeed. She is all that. And we support her, all of her work, uh, particularly her work in voting rights, because Black voters, we do matter. We do matter. So I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump out the way and I'm going to give the mic to Latasha Brown and I'm going to let you share in what she delivered to us at the 8th Annual Healthy Churches 2030 Conference. It's Thursday. It's your girl, Dr. P, on the pod, and I'm going to turn it over to our sister, Latasha Brown. excited to join you today to really have an important discussion around where we are in this nation, what challenges that we're dealing with right now, but what are the real opportunities. You know, before I get started, what I would like to do is wherever you are, I often ask this question. There are two questions that I ask. It doesn't matter whether I am teaching a class, whether I'm in the community organizing. I often like to start with this um, just to set the frame for our talk. 
And so I'm going to ask you, wherever you are, I want you to get grounded, kind of get rooted in your, in your seat. Um, feel yourself get grounded. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I want you to hear with your heart two questions I'm going to ask you. My first question to you is what would America look like without racism? And my second question is what would it take to create a nation where all human beings felt respected and valued? What would that look like? Now I'm gonna ask you to open your eyes. Of course, I can't see you, I can't see your response, but the majority of people that I ask that question, no matter where I go around this country, have never been asked the question of what would America look like without racism? And what would it look like? What would it take for people to feel respected and valued? I didn't say liked, I said respected and valued. And the reason why I start with those questions is because they force us to really sit in what is our vision of this nation going forward? What is our vision for a new America? And I'm raising that because there's nothing that has been brought into the physical world, nothing that did not first start with a vision. You can't create or bring anything into being without you starting from the framework of a vision. And so I'm asking that question. If we're not asking ourselves that question every single day, we will be in this perpetual cycle to just respond to what is instead of taking the opportunity to radically reimagine and create what could be and what it is that we deserve and what is laid out, which I say in my favorite scripture in Luke 4, 18, of what we are called to do in this moment, which is to give sight to the blind, right? It's to set the captives free, right? It's to declare this the year of the Lord's favor. And so in that space, I'm going to just lift up right now of what are we talking about when we're saying where we are in this nation around voting rights and democracy. You know, part of the reason why I do the work of building democratic institutions and building a democratic, a, a, more, a, a more democratic society is not because I am literally, my end goal is democracy. No, 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 no. My end goal is to actually for the advancement of humanity. I want all human beings to feel respected and valued. And if that indeed is my objective, then what I feel is democracy as a vehicle to an end to a means to an end, not an end in itself. You know, this nation has actually killed people in the name of democracy. So democracy can't be the fundamental end goal. Democracy has to be the goal for the end goal, which is the advancement of all human beings so that we are feel and we do feel valued and respected. And so when we're talking about democratic practices and we're talking about voting, we're not just talking about a transaction of here's a candidate and then I vote. Yes, that's a part of the process. But what has to drive us is something that is greater and that is deeper, something that is literally rooted in our love for humanity, that we recognize that when we're telling people that they can vote, they can't vote. What you're saying is you're not acknowledging that every single person has agency, that every single human being on this earth should and should have the right to freely and fairly literally impact decisions that are going to may, be made about them and their families. If somebody's going to make a decision about me, I need to be a part of that process. And so when we're talking about voting and when we're talking about de democratic practices and when we're talking about democracy, it is fundamentally an issue that, and a foundational belief that people have agency and they have the right to give input on those things that govern them and the decisions in which they're governed under. And so that is why we have to really understand that democracy 
is a human rights issue. That right now it is a human rights emergency in this, this nation. Because while voting rights is an element of that, that is actually connected to what we're talking about as a civil rights, it is fundamentally a human right. Because if fundamentally I can have free and fair access to the ballot to be able to influence those policies that impact me and my family, you are impacting my right as a human being. Like when I when there is a process that where people are punished because the way they because they participated or the way they participated in the election, then what you are saying is you're you're saying that their humanity does not matter. And so I think it's really important for us to recognize that we're at this moment. We're at this moment talking about voting rights, but there's so much that's connected and underneath that. When we're talking about America, you know, I love to say that one of the things that 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 we love to brag about is that America is the wealthiest country in the world. Perhaps instead of us being bragging about America being the wealthiest country in the world, what if we transform that to be America is the healthiest country in the world? that we have healthy people, that we're taking care of our people, that we're making sure that the resources that are available in this nation is actually lending itself that the least of these, that the marginalized, that every single human being, because they are valued and respected, they have adequate access to healthcare and the things that they need to actually be able to survive and thrive and to live a healthy, happy life. And in that process, what we also have to recognize that when we're talking about this fight around uh, how are we going to create and expand democracy, we have to also recognize the policy that are at stake. Even right now, when we're looking at what is happening in Congress right now, yes, we have got to fight for the Freedom to Vote Act. There is no if, ands, or buts. We need to make sure that we have a process that actually strengthens our access and makes the process even easier for us to participate, not more difficult, that in itself is a front to our human right. And when we're talking about building healthy communities, we need healthy infrastructure, not just infrastructure when we're talking about bridges and, and buildings. We need all of that and housing. We need all of that. But we also need a political infrastructure that is going to lend itself to the notion that all humanity matters. And if that is to happen, you and I are going to have to make that happen. And how do we make that happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. I wanted to literally be able to lift up, I always call this the V strategy, but I want to lift up five things. These are five takeaways and actions that I think we need to consider as we're talking about how are we going to shape, radically reimagine this nation going forward in a way that actually every single human being here feels valued and respected. The first thing is, I'll go back to how I started, and it is, what is your vision? You know, the scriptures say, you know, where there is no vision, people will perish. And so we literally have to make sure that we are taking time not just to respond to what is, but to radically reimagine what could be and stay in the possibilities of creating that and creating the infrastructure and the institution that will lend itself to that. And so my first piece to you in these and, and that action steps to you is take that time that you need to actually envision the world, not just the world as it exists, Dr. but the Bill world that we want to bring it to be. Yeah. Heaven as it is on earth, right? How can we manifest that? Part of that is going to have to come out of our vision. So we should be asking ourselves that question. What does this nation look like without racism? And that question should drive what it is that we're fighting for. That 
question should drive what it is that we're seeking to build, the policies that we want to push forward and put in place. Of course, there are short-term needs, but there's a long-term trajectory that we need to understand that we're in protracted struggle and it is going to require us to move beyond just being citizens. We've got to see ourselves as founders of a new nation, as visionaries of what could be when all of God's children feel respected and valued. The second V is we're going to have to, we understand that the power of life and death in the tongue, words matter. What we say, how we use our voice matters. And so it's really important that we take the time that we're lifting up and creating space and also granting grace for those voices that are oftentimes left out of the table to come to the table. That's part of the reason why I love working with the Poor People's Campaign and the work that Reverend Barbara is doing in the Poor People's Campaign. He creates the space to make sure that poor people are not left out of the conversation, that they're on the heel, literally shaping and impacting and putting input into the policies that are impacting them every day. And we've got to make sure that we are creating the kind of space so that all voices are heard. The third thing that I want to lift up is how we see we've got to shift the paradigm of what a victory looks like. We can't just look at victory in this binaries. It's a win and a loss. Either you win or I win, or either you lose or I lose. We deal with politics in America like it's a sport, like it's a red team and a blue team. No, I'm not on a red team or blue team. I'm on the humanity team. And so we have to operate from the context that we're, we don't allow these issues like voting rights to get caught up in a, a, in a partisan bag. The truth of the matter is the Republicans have done everything they can. That's just factual to be able to march like the right to vote. But we also have not, cannot create a system or create a process that says that my voting rights are contingent upon what political party is in power, right? We have to go beyond that and transcend that kind of frame because it's so limiting. We have to really be able to lift up something different that is literally talking about how we're gonna have a victory that is for all of us, a victory that at the core of that is about the advancement of humanity and the power that people have, not just a political party. You know, part of that, part of the reason why I actually support that, there's an idea that I'm working on right now of about establishing a department of democracy that I believe that we need a whole nother department that's developed, that is created with the sole purpose of looking out for the interests and the political power and the democratic practices that impact the people of this nation. The fourth piece that I want to lift up, and I think this is the most critical of all of them, you know, as we're doing this work, oftentimes we get caught up in the power dynamics around how we do this work and how we're looking at policy and how we're looking at the distribution, redistribution of resources, when in fact, all of this should go back to what? Our values, the core value that humanity matters. Just take a moment with me. If we literally were centered in this value for the love of humanity, that everything that we did was in service of the love of humanity, what would policy look like? What would institutions look like? What would education look like? What would church look like? I'm raising this because I think it's really important that part of what we're arguing about are differences. I, even if we're, we're at that point, I believe that we will have differences. I mean, I, I differ from myself in a whole, I changed my own mind and had difference in agree, disagreements with my own self within a week, right? In, in terms of changing my mind. And so, but if our values, if we had the value that all of this is in service for the love of humanity, the tension, the pulling apart, all of that, we would still see the tension. We still would see the disagreement. 
but we would actually be willing to come to the table, always willing to come to the table to actually find an end because at the end of the day, the goal, the greater goal for us is not that I win. The greater goal is that I have a solution that is rooted in the love of humanity. And the final piece that I'll say, which is probably the most obvious for me, being that I am one of the co-founders of Black Voters Matter, is vote. We have to really shift our frame of how we're talking about voting. As we're going out to our communities and we're talking about voting, it can't be voting from a sense of it's obligatory. Yes, you got to vote because people died for you. That's true. You got to vote because that's your right. That's true. But oftentimes when we're talking to people, we're talking to them as if their vote matters more than they matter. That in some way that they are, their, their value is contingent upon whether they vote or not. I've actually heard people say, if you vote, don't vote, you don't count. How dare we say that? At the end of the day, every single human being counts and they matter just by their presence because the great creator created them. And so in that space, as we're going and we're talking to people about voting, we're going to have to tap into our community by letting them know that they matter. And that voting is one tool for them to express their agency. It is one tool for them to be able to collect and use their collective power and leverage to shape that vision that we talked about earlier. To lift up their voice, to really be able to have a victory that brings us all in and that is reflective of their values. And so I ask you to stand with me and the millions of others that recognize that this voting rights struggle that we're in right now, it is a human rights struggle. We cannot allow anybody to turn us around. We cannot allow ourselves to lose hope. I am a person of faith. And literally, I grew up as a black woman in the deep south in Alabama. If I didn't have faith, what else could, what else could I depend on? The American government or structural racist institutions and systems that have marginalized me and my people? No, 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 no. It has been my faith and literally believing in something greater, which is my own humanity and the humanity of others that drives me. And so I offer that to all of us in this moment, that I hope in this moment that we're being reflective, we're recommitting ourselves, and we've got the courage to radically reimagine how we can move this nation forward. Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around Turn me around, turn me around, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around. I'm gonna keep on walking, keep on talking, marching up to freedom's land. Thank you. Dr. P on the pot, yeah. Well, I know you enjoyed that. I know you did. I know you did. Keep your eyes on the prize. Amen. I know you did. I know you did. So listen, that's it for us. We're going to have to jump out and get going through this Advent season. Get going with all of our holiday preparations. Get going with all of our post-conference stuff. Please stay connected with the bomb in Gilead. You know, we're still sending out that Sunday morning health corner every Thursday. We have such a lineup coming to you next year. Please, if you are not registered with the Bomb and Gilead, please go to our website right now, right now, right now, bombingilead.org. Go and register right now so you can get all of our, all of our information that we send to you every single day. And as you prepare your end of the year giving, Please remember, please remember the bomb and Gilead in your donations. We truly would appreciate 
your end of the year giving. This work that we do for you. Uh, we, we, we are a nonprofit organization and we can use and we need your financial support as well as your love. Gotta go. Love you. And I'm going to see you next week right here when we're going to be talking about holiday cheer. Yes, indeed. Talking about um, organ donations. I mean, we got to line up for you. A big shout out and love to my entire Bomb and Gilead team. You know, you know how I feel about them. They are the best in the whole wide world. Gotta go. It's Thursday. And it's your girl, Dr. P on the pod.